0: Hello and welcome to SKUcast, this is Mark Graham and we are back with another edition of our Supplier CMO series. In this series, we interview prominent marketing professionals on the supplier side to uncover what it takes to market effectively within our industry. Supplier marketing professionals often play a less visible role compared to their sales colleagues. This is not entirely surprising given sales is very much on the front lines of our business. This series is designed to uncover the personalities of our supplier marketers and to better understand the role that marketing plays in bringing promotional products to market. I'm very happy to welcome Brandon Brown, VP of Marketing at Snugs USA, to the SKUCast. Brandon has led a maverick team of marketers and creatives over the last few years in building the Snugs brand into one of the most envied and well positioned brands in the industry. The Snugs marketing journey is a fascinating one, and I look forward to digging deep with Brandon on how he approaches the art and science of marketing at Snugs. Brandon, welcome to the show, sir.
1: Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've been really looking forward to this. So, thank you so much uh, to, for agreeing to, uh, to spend the next 45 minutes with me. Um, so, let's start off with understanding your path to the VP marketing role at Snugs.
1: Sure, sure. So, it's it's been a long one. Uh, I've been now at Snugs for ten years. In September, coming up in September. So, it's uh it's been it's been a journey, and it's changed just like Snugs as a company has changed. Uh, I was in the military for ten years, and graduated college. And you know, I, I my first job right out of college, I worked for a, a large financial institution here in Salt Lake, and You know, doing a lot of web and design projects and and uh, some different things. A great job. Um, And then uh, I was approached by our current CIO, Roseanne Webster, who I've actually known since kindergarten. We, We grew up together.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's crazy.
1: And so, uh, yeah, we've known each other. We were hanging out one night, and she just she came up to me and she said, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna work for Snooks." And I'm like, "Who?" <laughs> and uh, she she brought me in for an interview, and I met I met Brandon, and along with a couple of dogs running around the office, and it was it was quite different than you know where I had come from. In fact, I was immediately greeted by Brandon in shorts and a hat, and I was in a suit and tie. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you're going to have to mess down a little bit. You <laughs> He hired me on. And basically, you know, I was, I was kind of one man show for, for quite a while, you know, doing anything and everything I could in the time that I had and virtual proofs and ads and, um, you know, managing the catalog, managing the website. It was, it was a wild ride for, for quite a while. And, so, yeah, then after quite a few years of that, you know, knowing that we had to evolve, we're able to kind of fast forward today where we've been able to assemble, you know, a lot of amazing specialists um, that are way smarter than me and they are amazing at their craft. And, and uh, you know, we're able to create some really cool marketing pieces now and I'm just happy, you know, where we're at. and Hopefully we can keep everyone happy and, and, and
0: continue forward. So you mentioned these specialists. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about the makeup of the marketing team today and what each person does?
1: Sure. So right now, I mean, we, we, no matter what, you know, in Snugs and it's a small company like ours, you know, a lot of us wear many different hats. And so a lot of people are doing different things, but I think right now we've got six designers who, you know, create all the print, the catalog, online ads, virtuals, storyboards, all those those things. And then we have Cody, who you know, on the social side of it. And then Jeff Anderton manages all of the the video side. And then I also have three people in product development and R&D, which I oversee as well. But yeah, I mean, these, like I said, these guys have specific job titles, but we do everything together. We come up with all the ideas together. And I mean, we even have people in our own videos. (laughs) They, They end up starring in our videos and that's just part of being on the team.
0: So, well, yeah, and I but I also think that that is such a wonderful thing because the Snugs brand is known for the fact that it really uh, promotes this human to human connection with the customer base. And the, the fact that you're in your own videos means that you're not afraid of presenting your personality to the industry, which I think is great because not a lot of marketers are comfortable in doing that because they think it's unprofessional. And, and I think it's a really neat what you guys have done.
1: Oh, Thank you. That's yeah, it's always fun. Always interesting.
0: So you say you started off as a solo marketer. What was what was your first marketing hire and what did they do? And why did you decide that you needed that additional firepower beyond yourself?
1: I always knew that I needed help in just content creation. You know, I mean just because the demand for virtual proofs from the sales team and sales tools and things that, you know, sales needed and think that there was just it was so overwhelming. And then also understanding that, Hey, I've still got the marketing and the brand side of it. And, you know, there's a catalog, there's a website, there's all of that. So, you know, that first, that first hire was definitely a really talented designer that could hopefully run circles around anything that I could, but also bring a little bit different dynamics so that, you know, not all of our stuff looked like my design, <laughs> Not to say that it's always a bad thing, but I think that's just, you know, we just wanted some diversity too. And so that was the first hire that I was able to get was another designer and it was a good one. I think it's
0: really interesting that you started off as the sole marketing person at Snugs. And I I think that People listening to this podcast may may struggle to uh, to imagine that a large supplier like snugs would start off with just one marketing person. So I think that that, that's that's just something I wanted to to uh, to make mention of. But the the other thing that I think is interesting is that when you start off in a role. And you're doing everything and you're controlling every facet of the production. So in your case, you started off as a sole marketing person. You're doing web, you're doing content. Uh, We've got Oscar that's barking in the background. Uh, You say you've got dogs at Snugs. We have dogs here at Common Skew, and they like to bark from time to time. So (laughs) I'm glad that that's making it in here. But the point I was going to make is that You wearing all these different hats at the beginning, I imagine that set you up for success down the road when you had to hire all these specialists because you knew at least a little part of what their job entailed as opposed to hiring them and having really no idea as to how to manage them because you hadn't done their job before. Would you say that that was true?
1: Oh, absolutely. And that's just something that, you know, every, every manager probably has that same sentiment. I mean, you're, you you can not expect your team to jump in and do some of these things if you don't have experience doing it yourself. And I think, you know, even back to my military days, that was just something that, you know, it would always frustrate me if, uh, if someone had never done my job and they're telling me either how to do it or um, you know when to do it or whatever. And so I think that, you know, that's, that's definitely the case. I mean, I can go and have, I mean, I haven't done them for a long time, but, you know, I think there's, you know, there's something to be said about the manager that has done the grunt work and can then lead. It, it definitely helps in that respect. Yeah.
0: I think I make that observation because I'm not sure whether that's the case At larger companies, maybe I could say this for a larger supplier or even a larger distributor, even marketers outside this industry, the larger your company gets, there's a greater likelihood that the VP of marketing or the CMO may be brought in from the outside and may have no experience in one of the particular marketing disciplines. And you could say, well, that's maybe not a surprise at a larger company. You want that CMO to come in at a highly strategic level. But I wonder whether it sets them up for not failure, but maybe some more obstacles if they're not able to really communicate with some of their colleagues at that grassroots level. So I, I'm not quite sure what the right answer is, but it's just interesting to me, given the size of Snugs, and you're certainly not a small supplier, that the current marketing environment is led by someone who did it all just 10 years ago. It's kind of interesting to
1: me. Well, I think it helps, too, that I have been here for 10 years, I that's that's sometimes rare as well. But I think when it all comes down to it, I mean, you don't have to know exactly how to do every facet of the, of your employee's job. But I think as long as you have a good understanding of what they need to accomplish that job and, you know, if they come up against something that's standing in their way that, you know, you're there to either help get rid of it or, or help them get over it. So.
0: Absolutely. I want, to, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about marketing budgets and channels. So specifically, how do you determine your marketing budget at Snug's and what channels to invest in?
1: So, yeah, budget, budgets, uh, you know, def- definitely discussed, you know, throughout the year as things change, as they always do, you know, mar- marketing budgets can can fluctuate. But typically, you know, as a senior leadership team, we'll, we'll meet um, and a Q3 and kind of set a goal for the following year. And I'm always asking for way more money. And I, you know, usually have to come back to reality after they say, no, we need to, you know, invest things i want to do this and they're like no we need to calm down a little bit brown but i I think you know our owner braddon is is has always been super supportive of marketing he understands the importance of it um and he allows us to have you know tons of creative freedom and so he he knows things are expensive and i you know camera equipment's expensive video equipment's expensive you know ads are expensive so um you know i think that's always helpful is to have that support but you know, we, we uh as far as you know, channels to to invest in, I mean we you know, it's full circle, you know. The the goal is always to get as many eyeballs on all your materials as possible and just like your portfolio, you need to diversify and you know to you know, hit people with messaging at every turn. So um, you know, I'd mentioned that I was in the military and it's a little, you know, kind of a running joke in our department, but we use we used to always use the term fire for effect and you know, we use that internally all the time. You know, it's just once we find you know something that works, we fire for effect and we hit it hard. And I think that's you know, hopefully it's clear. Your message is clear, but it, hopefully it becomes memorable after you know seeing it in different places. And you know, they'll see our social media and videos and print ads and online ads. But you know, we also our team also has a customer, and that customer is you know our sales team. And so. We also have to serve them. And, you know, we try to do our best with, you know, our trade show booths, samples, sales tools, flyers, you know, virtual storyboards, you know, all those things, you know, just to make their lives easier as well. So it's not always just about investing in, you know, the money side of it and budget side of it, but it's also, you know, serving our own team to.
0: right. Right. And, and when it comes to channel analysis, I mean, when you think of all the things you can do or all the the, the levers that you can pull, like advertising in trade publications, uh, trade shows, uh, EME style events, sponsorships, um, uh, ads on search platforms like Sage and ESP, uh, so on and so forth. Like, how do you when you when you throw all those channels up on a whiteboard, like presumably some of them are going to have priority over others or at your size, are you saying that you'll try to invest in all channels because you want to be able to hit as much of the market as possible?
1: Well, yeah. And I think that's always the goal. I mean, sometimes budget runs out or, you know, things just aren't, you know, providing any type of traction or, you know, I think with, you know, um, digital stuff, you you know, you're able to, to see, Hey, you know, what type of engagement we're getting and clicks and tracking and, you know, you know, people are seeing it, you know, but, um, but I think, you know, you want to be, you want to be everywhere. And I think that the, the promo space and the demographics of, of all, um, you know, there, there's different types of marketing that people are comfortable engaging with whether, you know, and I, I think different demographics have proven, that, you know the younger demographic is definitely more into the digital space into you know the mobile and the um, the video and the social and others you know there's still a place for that catalog and that print ad and and so I think you've got to do a really good job of you know diversifying that that message but as long as it's clear and consistent then hopefully people are seeing it and maybe one or two different places maybe hopefully all of them but
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I I think that's an interesting approach. Um, Follow up question to that is, what of all those channels that you've invested in, what are the top three or four of them that just consistently uh, overperform for you or outperform, I should say?
1: Well, and I I mean, it goes back to the things that we know and the things that we do know are typically on digital and um, and where all the most where the most people are at, you know, so. The biggest bucket and the biggest the biggest visual space is, is in those search engines, you know, like the, the the ESPs and the Sage and the you know, all of those. And so I think, you know, when you put when you put money behind those spaces and you're getting to see you know, how many people are actually You know, seeing those products and those ads and those click throughs and, um, you know, definitely we'd say that's the most successful if that's what we're gauging success being. But how do we determine whether or not that turns into an actual order? Um, That's difficult. You know, in this industry, as most people listening know, you you may push a product now, but it may take six months for the end user to say, oh, I need that product now. (laughs) So hopefully your your messaging is is creating enough brand awareness to that distributor that when the end user comes to them, oh, I remember this, you know, it's something memorable from our marketing or something that's top of mind. So. Right. Um,
0: How about the channels in those uh, third quarter meetings? What are the channels that are the very bottom of the list that uh, you and Brandon are looking at going, "Ah, we might have to cut this uh, because we're not so sure either a of its delivering results or it's just something you've just never really seen great results compared to the channels that are really kicking butt for you guys?
1: Um, well, it's it always difficult. And, you know, I think we get a lot of eyebrows raised from people outside of marketing to how much it costs to do a print ad in any of the publications. Understanding that the cost is, is, very, is very difficult to handle. But, you know, I think, you know, print ads have become less of importance when, you know, we are seeing the engagement coming from the more digital space. And so there has been a shift in, in budget. From, you know, we were doing this printout. It's easier to take some money away from a printout and invest it in more of the digital space. Um, And then it comes down to product, you know, what product do we want to push? And sometimes some of those products that are a little more obscure or some things that may not be as profitable to manufacture, you know, we may put some more money into those more profitable items um, with some more money. Um,
0: And and how do trade shows? factor for you? I mean, I've been to many shows where you guys have uh, had fantastic uh, trade show uh, presences. Uh, I know that there are some supplier marketers that are starting to question whether the trade show investment is as uh, effective as it once was. Uh, what What does Snugs think about trade shows?
1: Well, the trade show is definitely still an important piece of our mix, you know, and I think that you have to, um, you know, you have to put your best foot forward and you have to engage in some of those, um, some of those distributors that either don't know about you or may stumble upon you. Um, And, you know, there is still you know, heavy traffic in all the shows that we attend. Now we've, you know, maybe been a little bit more strategic in the shows that we do attend and it kind of cut back on some of those. And, you know, I think being some of these more personable shows, you know, you know and speaking with Brittany, you know, and the sales team, they've, they feel... You know, they get a little bit more value and a little bit more, you know, projects specific from those. But you know, I still think that you know, it's all part of that diversification, and you have to be places. And if we're not there, and they're, you know, a distributor is walking the floor and they they don't see us, but they see one of our competitors, then you know, what what could have been a great customer is 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 we've left left that out. So.
0: Right, right. Yeah. No, I think I, I think that's fair and and I think to some extent it's a it's a function of of how creatively you show up at a trade show. And I think when you hear from a supplier in particular that says, Oh, trade shows are, are not as effective as they once were, oftentimes there's a direct link between how they show up at these shows, how their booth is designed, how their staff show up, how they're engaging people. Um, when you go to a Snugs, Booth. I mean, I can speak to the last time I saw you guys at Expo in, uh, in January 2018. It was like a full-on party, oh. <laughs> you know, with you guys wearing your camo hoodies, and you know, it was great. And it, when I say party, it, you know, it was a fun environment. But at the same time, there was also a lot of business being done, and your products were being put put out there. Yet, you could walk around the corner at Expo, and there's some sad supplier booth, and someone sitting there with no friends, and. Well, and they may leave and never come back and blame it on Expo, but eh, I don't really know if it's Expo's fault and maybe how it is that they chose to show up and engage pre, during, and post show.
1: Sure, sure. And I think that's just a testament to our sales team and, and the relationships that they've forged through the years that, you know, yep. the people want to come and even if it's just to come say hi, but hopefully you're giving them a reason to come to the booth. And, you know, we, we, we definitely do our best to you know create some innovative and some cool new items every single year, and you know that's a typical question of you know usually the first thing out of a distributor 's mouth is what 's new and so if you're paired with 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 that answer and and then they hopefully we'll remember that and come back to find out what 's new the next year so
0: yeah, absolutely um Brandon, tell me about your biggest marketing fail and why it failed and you know how you if, if you could even share some some metrics around the failure, like how much it cost you, and I'm also curious as to what it is you learned. So that's a, a four part question <laughs> all around your biggest screw up.
1: Well, I think I think it's um, wow. I, I think the one thing that I remember the most is uh, probably as recently as um, going into 2017. Um, we were we were launching two new uh, product lines, um, soul kicks and traverse. Um, and, uh, you know, we, had, we had worked tirelessly on getting everything ready and putting it in the catalog and getting everything, you know, tested and brought in and we created all this momentum and excitement. I mean, the phones were ringing, customers want product. Um, but overall we just jumped the gun. And we had major issues with inventory. We were struggling to get the quality of products that, and getting you know our um, everything together. And you know, from the marketing side, I felt like we did a great job. And people were like, "Well, you did marketing great. You did a great job." But I think it was our fault for you know making promises to our customer, the distributor, that we could actually deliver on these things. And so. Um, you know, we could have simply as easily just changed our messaging and said, hey, it's coming soon, or it's going to be available later or do a pre-sale like what we're doing right now with our all of our new items for gift collection. You know, I mean, it's a simple just the way that you spin it in a marketing sense. But I think we learned our valuable lesson not only from, you know, we wanted to get the word out there, but, you know, over promising and under delivering is something that we never want to do. And think, you know, we, we definitely learned our lesson and, um, you know, making sure that we are ready to go before we kind of break the silence and get the product out there and, um, get the excitement going because that's, it's frustrating as, as a, as a distributor, I can only imagine. So.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think that's a good point, you know, so you could, you could argue that the marketing itself was executed well because you were able to generate Significant demand uh, for for the product, so I suppose that's 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 a one check mark. But the the learning and the and the fail in this particular case is that marketing and operations weren't necessarily aligned properly. And um, I think that that's that that's an interesting I think that's an interesting lesson um, to to make sure that all parts of the organization are, are speaking to one another and not to suggest you weren't speaking with one another, but maybe there was, um, I just think it's interesting how one side does so well, but then the operational side, um, is it lags and uh, which is rare for you guys, right?
1: Well, and I think that it was just, yeah, it was just more or less, you know, we, we were trying to hit a, you know, an expo or these first two shows, you know, I mean, these are this is a great opportunity to get, you know, that message out there. And sometimes, you know, from the marketing standpoint, you know, we we turn a blind eye to the struggles that maybe the manufacturing, because we are a true manufacturer of a lot of items, we turn a blind eye to, you know, how difficult we're making life, you know, in that area. And, you know, I think we've we've learned that lesson. And I think even just moving forward in the last few years and, you know, putting out the product that we can all be proud of and that work that we this, and we can put our stamp of approval on and put our name on now and you know the the it's changed dramatically in these in, in the last year as far as just launching new products and the alignment of uh you know manufacturing and inventory and and product development and the testing and then you know saying marketing let's go we're ready that's that's so important
0: right i I'm curious to understand the process that you go through, Brandon, when you're building your marketing plan. So for for someone listening to the podcast, that's trying to understand the science of putting together an effective marketing plan. Are there any tips that you can share in terms of the process or some of the high points that one might want to make sure they're evaluating uh, when they're putting this document together?
1: Well, I think I mean, as an overall, I I assume you're talking about an a. a yearly marketing plan or a quarterly or whatever you are seeing, you know, you're doing there. And so I think, you know, for me, it, 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 really just starts with, I mean, the simple, the simple, um, conversation with sales, you know, and I think it's so important that, you know, you, you're speaking to sales and aligning yourself with them to hear what, what are people demanding? What are people needing? What are people ask? How, how, what's the chatter like, you know? And, um, you know, for for us, you know, the simple, it, it goes without saying, you know, there's trade show season, there's sanitizer season, there's sunscreen season. I mean, there's seasonal things that help drive, you know, what to push and then making sure that you're hitting it early enough to, and especially in a promo space, you know, early enough to not only put out your marketing and get the idea out there, but then let the distributor go and do that as well. And so... Um, but a lot of times they're 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 similar um, and every, from year to year. It's just in the you know the campaign drives you know a lot of the differences in the messaging. Or you know if there's you know product that we need to push specifically because of a profitability standpoint, like you know or bestsellers or um, you know new products will definitely change the game there too. So I don't know that there's any. 100% you know guideline for it I think a lot of times it's just based on what type of product that you're offering and what ty- you know how does that fit in you know what kind of conversations the distributors are having with end users you know, I think that's where you have to start
0: right right no I think that's great advice um, I, I, I don't think any uh, conversation with a senior marketer would be complete without talking about ROI and how you track ROI and uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, how do you track yeah. ROI <laughs> and which channels are easier to do it in versus others? Because I know what you're going to say yeah, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> with, with regard to it being difficult, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Brandon, uh, Mackey comes to you and says, Brown, what's the ROI on X investment? Um, what conversation are you having with him?
1: yeah it's always, it's it's the million dollar question everybody everybody asks it everybody wants to know and um, you know the the we've mentioned this before the online digital spaces you know i mean it's 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 pretty it's pretty easy to say hey we have engagement you know i don't necessarily always worry about you know views or you know i, I just want engagement i want people to um, engage with our, with our stuff or share our, our stuff from social or, um, you know, click through them. Um, so that's, that's always a little bit easier to justify. And, but again, there's that straight line to, oh, it's, it's, it's generating a sale. I don't always know, but I think it's, it's been, it's been proven time and time again that when we create a, um, a very, um, consistent campaign and we push it for you know several months and the message is clear um, you'll see that uptick in in, in the sales and I, I think the the biggest the biggest key to that is being aligned with your sales team and being able to push that message via the sales engine um, and if and if we are aligned and the, the the message is consistent. Um, the uptick in sales is there, and I think that's where we know. I mean, but yeah, video views and and clicks and all of that. It's it's definitely easier to to met to to uh, justify those rather than print ad or you know. It's almost like a you know Utah's known for billboards around here. We have lots of billboards.
0: yeah. Like, I remember those, and
1: I'm like, yeah. Look at all these billboards, and you know, let let me ask that marketer give me roi on a billboard unless you have a call to action which most donor if they were there you wouldn't see because you're going miles an hour um, you can't you know there's 4 million people driving down that freeway and they're seeing it maybe but people still do it and i think that's just kind of part of marketing is there's not always a perfect answer you know
0: yep yep no no i i i agree and and i knew and i knew that the answer would be Uh, like that uh, in that it it is hard to nail things down but i think that what you're saying is that you've got some channels where the metrics are a little bit more defined digital specifically you mentioned video in terms of views and engagement and i think that you can see that as an indicator and then you then sure you're going to have things like um, print ads which may be the ultimate thing uh, to or it may be very difficult to measure the success of a print ad, but then you you take that in conjunction with your sales growth, the communication with your sales team, and all of a sudden, I think you can put together a good story that's going to make ownership go marketing's working. If if you didn't have the engagement numbers and the sales was declining and there was miscommunication with the sales team, then you'd be in trouble. So <laughs> I think I think you've answered the question quite effectively, and it's 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 a varied answer, right? for sure. So Snugs is dominant in one category, lanyards. How does a supplier that's dominant in one category explore other categories to grow in? And how do you as a marketer tell that story so you don't end up confusing the market about what your product offering is all about?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it was difficult. I mean, I think, you know, when I first started, there was, there was 10 years ago, we just had lanyards and we had just, just recently as 2007, just, um, ventured into the personal care market space. And so, um, you know, when we first got there, I was like, well, I was, I was always confused too. Like lanyards and personal care, what do they have to do with each other? And like, that didn't seem like it really worked. Um, but you know it, it does, and, it, and I also I kind of treat them you know almost as, as as separate entities, as kind of like their own brand, and it's kind of similar to what we've done with you know adding Zen our Zen line and our our Traverse line is you know you're, they're almost m- mini brands underneath Snugs, and I think that you know Snugs is as a brand is definitely you know if somebody asks you know who's Snugs then you know. I would say majority of the people would first thing come to mind lanyards and, and we're okay with that. But I think as a company and Brandon's desire to continue to grow and, and evolve, you know, I think that, you know, it's exciting. And I think that, you know, you do have to continue to market your, your bread and butter items if you don't, and you're in trouble and you can't lose what's know site what's that's what's paying our bills and that's what's affording us the opportunity to to venture into some of these other categories but we also take a look at things that you know make sense you know the traverse line made sense because you know we're already we have a bunch of sewing machines and we have a bunch of 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 labor or labor force down in production that you know is really good with their hands and that can hand assemble and um, they can do it quickly and to scale and so you know We take a look at different pieces that we can add to our lines, you know, under the Snugs brand that, you know, makes sense and that we can do without a a large uh, investment of of new equipment or um, uh, employees. So.
0: Right. Um, What advice do you have for a small supplier without a formal marketing person? Um, I could almost even ask this question of a small supplier with a with maybe even one marketer that is struggling to focus I mean maybe like you 10 years ago where should they focus their limited market or limited marketing resources as a small supplier
1: um well I think you know it's it's I think it's different than it was when I was my, by myself 10 years ago. You know, I think that the, the industry has is, is changed and evolved. And I think, you know, right now, the most important thing, if you're, you know, one or a two man team is just focus a lot on your website, making sure it's accurate, making sure it's mobile, um, keeping it up to date, fresh with content. Um, you, you'll you'll want to focus on content that's shareable not only for your sales team, but for the distributor. That's what they want. That's what they're asking for. Um, just giving that, you know, a quick share, a quick, you know, forward. I mean, that's 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 ultimately, they gonna have the most bang for your buck. Um, and then just the most, like I think I said this before, you know, just make sure you're listening to your sales team or if you're traveling, listen to the customer. I mean, they're going to tell you what they really, really need. Um, don't, don't get caught in the weeds and, and, you know, just be a problem solver, you know, provide solutions instead of just like shoving products down their, their throat, you know, maybe just t- take take a time to listen and, and provide those solutions that they're asking for. I, would, I guess that would be the advice that I'd have.
0: Well, and I, I think that that's much likely what you were focusing on 10 years ago. And then when things start to grow and scale and, that that's when you need specialists that can dive into these uh, various different areas. Um, but I think that uh, it's. I it ask you the question because I, there's, I think a number of smaller suppliers who are intimidated by marketing because they may be an owner that is either well versed in sales or more likely an owner that is well versed in product development and operations. That's why they're a supplier versus a distributor, I suppose. And so they, so the, the owner has that expertise and they do a great job in that respect. But then the the marketing side is, is foreign to them. And I I think that they struggle to know where to go. And I think that they probably make it more complicated than it really needs to be. Um, So that was the reason for that question.
1: Oh, for sure. And I, and I, I think that, you know, you can't do it all. There's, there's no way you can. So don't try. Um, and, you know, I think that just focus on, you know, what the distributor has access to so many, so many different products. I mean, you're going to have to do something to, to stand out. And if you don't, and you don't make it some sort of an effort, then yeah, you're just not going to be part of the, the conversation.
0: Right, right. What are the three most important parts of the Snugs brand?
1: Um, I'm going to give you four. All right. It's fair enough that we care passionately, that we work like crazy that we think big and we do what's right. Right. And those are our core values. And I hope that for me, a snug brand means that eventually to somebody. I mean, brand is unique to everybody. I mean, depending on if you're a customer or a potential customer your employee, or even somebody that we're trying to recruit to be an employee, um, but they're different for everyone, and they can play a different role, you know, depending on how they interact with you. And so, I think you know, um, oftentimes, you know, they can develop over time. You know, you can increase your trust, your loyalty, um, you know, by just the way that you engage with that that person. And so hopefully over time, that's what, you know, that would mean to someone.
0: Right. Right. Well, and I think that those values and thank you for sharing them, I I think are, are very much woven into your brand. I mean, having seen your facility in in Salt Lake uh, last year and walking through the factory, I mean, some a jaded person might say, this is a place where I get lanyards and, my end client needs lanyards for their trade show, like whatever. Right. So that that's someone who's jaded. Whereas in your case, you, Snugs has been able to pull off this very interesting end result, which is, yes, you're just ordering a lanyard, but there seems to be something a little bit more special about it because of the way that you approach your business. And I think that that has everything to do with a, the way the, the products are photographed, uh, how the brand is positioned in the marketplace to the friendly salesperson, to the friendly customer service person, to the fact that the order uh, hopefully ships on time and is is produced at great quality. And and that m- takes something that's very basic, a lanyard, and turns it into something that's much more than that. So I, I, I think that that's really interesting as to all these different things you you've invested in and to get back to the values you just mentioned, um, is very clear how those are infused into this, into this lanyard company.
1: For sure. And it doesn't matter what, what product we're, we're making, you know, I think that's, that's what, that's, what's most important to, to us and to our brand is, you know, yes, people may know us for those lanyards, but if we're selling, you know, if we're making a lip balm or a journal or, you know, uh, anything else that that's what we want people to remember for yep yep, absolutely all right, so I've
0: had you talk a little bit about the the the, the snugs brand um, I, I I'm interested to know which three promotional product industry brands you admire the most and why
1: yeah this one this one yeah, it was an interesting question. Uh, I think that you know you know you you immediately start thinking about your competitors because that's what I do (laughs) as you know you always think about who's doing what and what people are doing well and uh, but I I think that there's also those that you know definitely just stand out and so um, you know from on a supplier side you know I think that uh, you know ETS and Brandon over there does a great job Um, I think I think marketing simple it's clean design it has you know they have great products um they're useful and they just seem like they really get it um their social's great um and so i think you know just just that 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 feeling that i get when i interact with that brand you know i, I like that um you know the distributor side i'm, I'm going to be careful here because you know i always want to say I have a favorite one. They're all, they're all my favorite if there are customers. But I, I, I think that, um, you know, anyone that, you know, really embraces that more agency, you know, that agency feeling for their customer, you know, I feel like that's what end user expects people to be at that level is to be involved from the decision process, you know, right from the beginning. And if they can, you know, and, and provide those solutions because they have so many products at their disposal and it's great. Um, industry that we're in and, you know there's, there's stuff from all different price points and being able to have that conversation beforehand and and really kind of be you know a full service um, to help them um, further, I think that's awesome and um, and I would say this even if I wasn't on with you but I, I think commonskees is, is is a brand that I admire I think we've been um, kind of on their journey for for since the beginning and the evolution of where it was and where it's becoming now and you know you continue to do things the right way and you're very detail oriented like us over here at Snugs almost to a fault, <laughs> and uh, but we 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 love Common Skew and what you guys are doing over there as well.
0: Well, you're very kind for that, uh, and and we're certainly not we're certainly not fishing for that answer. But uh, to to be <laughs> to be included in in a list with uh, ETS, uh, I was about to say them that they are among one of the uh, I think was certainly one of the best marketers in this industry, and 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 I'd even just say period, right? I don't want to say this industry lessens them as a marketer. Um, but just how they've told their story, how they communicate. And, and I also just think the confidence that they specifically bring to the market, I think, is amazing. Right. They're, they're confident enough in their product and their brand that they're willing to say no and they're willing to walk away I'm not putting words in their mouth, but I think willing to walk away, I think as snugs would, and I can certainly say common skew would as well, walk away when there's not that right fit that's going to set up both parties for success. And I think that there's a a, a confidence that comes with that and knowing your brand values and knowing where you're really going to knock it out of the park for someone and where, where you're not, right? No one's perfect. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to ask, uh, I've got uh, two other questions I want to ask you and uh, really appreciate all the time here you spent uh, with me today, uh, Brandon. Um, okay. So first question is what is on your desk right now? Like physically on your desk?
1: Huh? Okay. So I have a couple of, uh, industry magazines. Um, I've got some new product ideas that I will keep to myself. Yes. Connected. um, Let's see, I got a Seth Godin book, and I've got... Which one? Fresh Off the Press, brand spanking new, printed 2018 gift catalog.
0: Ooh, which Seth book do you
1: have? Um, It's actually Footprints on the Moon, some Ooh. from his uh, Domino project.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. It's, um, it's,
1: a da- it's a daily kind of... in first of the morning into the office reads, read some inspiration.
0: Yeah. I love it. Uh, I love it. Yeah, no, he's talk about, uh, you know, an amazing marketer. Uh, I think everyone needs to listen to Seth Godin. Uh, that's great. Well, I've, I'm now painting a picture as to what your, what your office looks like. You know, it sounds like you've, you've got a nice tidy desk not a lot of crap around and you, you know, you're keeping it to the things that are important. So, and hopefully those industry magazines are opened up to a Snugs ad. <laughs>
1: uh- one of them is one of them's to another thing,
0: <laughs> right, right, awesome um all right, last question for you, Brandon. If you could hang out for a day and brainstorm with one marketer dead or alive, who would it be, and why?
1: well, you have already started talking about him, but yes <laughs> I think okay, that would be an an amazing sit down and and just. Um, just brainstorm and pick his brain. I mean, he is, he is so, I mean, the epitome of honesty and um, authenticity. I mean, he's so great. And I think he, you know, it'd just be interesting to ask him how to apply, you know, stuff that we're already doing and how to, how to make it better in the promo space, you know. And I think, you know, his, his take on, you know, how to market differently but similarly than you would, you know, in a retail space um, would be very interesting. You know, I, I've always, you know, I, something that I always carry with me that I always remember, um, is, uh, you know, he always says, you know, people are attracted to the remarkable. Um, but you have to be, you have to be remarkable. At, you have to be, and to be remarkable, you have to be uniquely best. That's true. I, I had that memorized, but it didn't come out right on cue. But.
0: <laughs> I, I, uh, no, no, I, I, I get it. And you know what I'll, uh, I, I'll, I'll echo that and agreeing with you that he is you know, this phenomenal marketer. And I remember first hearing about him uh, maybe ten or eleven years ago, and I was reading uh, someone had given me the Purple Cow, which is which is all about this concept of being remarkable, as, as you're saying. And I, I I didn't know anything about him. Didn't know I'd never heard of the book before, and I read it and just it, it sort of felt like the earth move <laughs> underneath my feet, because I was thinking like he, this guy is so fiercely original and he's talking about things that I've always kind of known, but have never really been able to articulate it like, like he just did. And, uh, and um, so it, it, that remains one of my top all time favorite business books and I highly recommend it to anyone. And, uh, and, and it's very clear that Seth's teachings have had, I think a profound impact on how it is that you market at snugs and, and how it is that you conduct yourself professionally. So I'm not surprised to hear that you've uh, you've, you've mentioned him. So that's, that's awesome for sure. All right, Brandon. Well, thank you so much for, for spending the last uh, little bit of time with us here. Was, uh, I really enjoyed being able to speak about how it is that you approach the art of your marketing, the science of your marketing, and uh, appreciate all the, the wisdom that you shared with us here today. Thank you so much, sir.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It was, it was a great time. Thanks so much for tuning into this
0: episode of Skewcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to Skewcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening.